Welcome back to the Yodis podcast. This is our second episode, and this time we're having Emilia Gardner, who is a former lawyer who became a full-time website builder and affiliate marketer. We've talked about her favorite strategies, her path, and many things in between. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're watching it on YouTube, listening to it on Spotify, or on any other streaming platform. It's really nice to meet you. It's really nice to see you almost in person. <laughs> you know, these days with COVID, I mean, this is about as good as it gets half the time. Yeah, yeah. So just to shoot things up right away, uh, why did you decide to quit your job as a lawyer? You know, that's a great question. It has absolutely nothing to do with online business. I actually made a decision to leave the practice of law in steps. I had an opportunity to move into uh, from my firm practice into working with a startup. And then from there, I decided to take some time off to uh, raise kids. Mm -hmm. And it was while I was at home raising kids, um, feeling that like, I should be doing something. This feels weird being at home, you know, just uh, raising kids. And that's when I fell into the whole rabbit hole of making money online. Mm -hmm. And why did you why did you decide to look into website building in particular? I, I didn't. I definitely didn't start there. I did the <laughs> I did everything right. When somebody starts, they they see, you know, the ad on YouTube and they're like, you could do this and you can do this. So it was a, a long time of shiny object syndrome. So I mm -hmm. um, I did funnels. Right. Like I fell down the click funnels rabbit hole. <laughs> I um, did email marketing, you know, solo ads like solo ads traffic. I started a drop shipping store, hmm. right? Drop shipping, um, just really not high quality stuff from China in using Facebook ads. I, uh, I mean, literally like every strategy that there probably is for people just getting started. I wrote uh, Kindle, um, eBooks for KDP, oh, wow. literally everything. And what I discovered was that I didn't want mm, customers, if that makes sense. I didn't really want to uh, because of my lifestyle, because my kids are my focus, that I didn't want to be tied to my phone and I didn't want to be tied to the computer. And when you have customers who need customer service, just saying, I'm going to go camping for two weeks, that's not an option unless you hire somebody. And when you're just getting started, it's not like you can really afford to have uh, employees. Mm -hmm. And so having websites that are monetized with affiliate offers or display ads, I don't want to say it's passive because it's not. Mm -hmm. But it removes that element of having to be present right here every single day to to be customer service. Yeah. Well, the good thing about working online is that you get to actually see your kids grow up. Uh, I've been freelancing for uh, almost 13 years. I've been working with texts <laughs> in particular, and it was a really great opportunity to see my son grow up first, then to see my daughter grow up. And it's really, it's really a special time. Uh, it helps to, you know, create a bond that you can't achieve when you're working nine, nine to five. You're just well, always it's, there. It's not something, it's not something you can do later yeah. either. Yeah. Like, okay, you know, when I get done with this project, I will come volunteer in your class when you're a kindergartner, but that might not happen because they're <laughs> past that phase. There's no going back. Yeah. Well, speaking of working online and website building and affiliate marketing and everything, 
of that sort. Well, most of it is uh, known to be uh, mostly dominated by men. So how did you like cope with it in the beginning? Well, I'm going to politely disagree oh, with you okay. this, with the statement that uh, SEO, that um, niche websites, that this business is dominated by men. Okay. I think if you, if you go on YouTube and you look at all the YouTube creators, you'll notice that about blogging or at least about search engine optimization that most of the creators are male. Mm -hmm. But if you search blogging in general or you look at other specific kinds of blogging that you will find that there are many women, in fact, that women often dominate, I'm going to put up my air quotes, dominate the uh, results for those topics, specifically the blogging topics. So there's search engine optimization, SEO, which seems to be, um, that's where a lot of the men are creating, but blogging in general, I invite you, <laughs> Vladimir, or anybody who's listening to this to just search blogging to see how many women um, have created content on not just YouTube, but on Pinterest, on Facebook, on Instagram, and you will find many bloggers there. And in fact, I would even suggest that women were at the forefront of this. Uh, mom blogs, I feel like were one of the first <laughs> places that people legitimately made money with affiliate offers because they were doing things like, hey, I made this craft and here are the places where you could go to buy these things. So. Um, yes, there are many men in the space, but I will say that I think a lot of the women who are crushing it are not taking the time to go and start teaching it. Mm -hmm. They're too busy making money doing the thing <laughs> that they are supposed to be doing. Uh -huh. And many of them are also juggling, um, you know, lots of hats, right? They're also parents or mm -hmm. they're caregivers. And so they're crushing it. And they've got too much stuff to do to go over here and say, I'm going to start a course about blogging. I mean, when you're making six figures a month, I mean, is a course really necessary? Mm -hmm. You could just keep doing what you're doing and just make more money. Yeah. So, sounds, um, sounds so, reasonable. <laughs> so that's so that I would just politely disagree. I think it's that, totally that is much more balanced than people think. Yeah. So it's, so it's just a general impression because of the course presence and lecture presence that that is created by by men i would also though suggest that maybe um especially if it's men who are or who are um we often get served content by google by youtube that google thinks that we'll like mm -hmm. and google looks at our past preferences mm -hmm. and knows that maybe you like to consume content that was created by men. Mm -hmm. So if you're not seeing a lot of women in your Facebook feed or in your YouTube feed, um, that could be YouTube doing its best to serve you what, what it thinks you want. Mm -hmm. And it creates this impression that it's only men mm -hmm. because I see in my feed tons of female <laughs> creators about blogging. And so when you say, oh, it's dominated by men, I'm like, really? <laughs> well, yeah, that's an impression that, I, that I've, I've got. Well, that's true. If you go to conferences, right, you go to, um, you know, Matt Diggity's conference mm -hmm. in, in Chiang Mai, or you might go to, to SEO World here, or SEO World there. It's, it's not hard to notice that most of the presenters are men. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like all you have to do is look, right? Like you see, okay, but um, a lot of the presenters are also um, Caucasian, you know, white men. Yeah. And we know that there are SEOs around the world who are crushing it in Africa. 
in Asia, especially Asia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even in tier one countries, you know, where United States, Canada, that they're not, not everybody is white, but it, it that's just, and there's many reasons we don't have to argue why that mm-hmm. is or who or how, but um, just because that's the lineup at a conference doesn't mean that that's a reality. Mm-hmm. So you don't uh, feel any pressure in, in, in these terms? I think I'm old enough that I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think maybe if it was 20 years ago and I would be feeling a lot of like, oh, looking around like, you know, I'm the only one here and do I have the right to be here? Um, I don't feel that anymore. Um, I'm here and I'm going to do what I want, how I want. And maybe my path doesn't look like your path, mm-hmm. right? Like my path doesn't look like some of these guys or gals who are just like crushing it and they've been crushing it since like month one right like some mm-hmm. people their first year they just like to the moon mm-hmm. and that's not my path and i i think most of our paths go like this right like <laughs> totally. you know they they don't look like that and maybe 20 years ago i would have questioned what i'm doing but now uh there's just so much in my life that's happening that makes me fortunate that I am doing what I'm doing and doing it this way. And it gives me opportunities to continue to pursue the things that I really want to invest my time in that maybe don't necessarily make the most money. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I chased the dollar already. Mm-hmm. I was a lawyer. I did that for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. And I, I don't, it's not that I don't think that money is important because obviously that's how I, that's how we eat. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why my kids' toys are like all over the floor <laughs> over here is because I have income coming in, but it's just my perspective is different. And we could blame that on old age, too. (laughs) No, it seems everything seems reasonable. And I totally agree with you about money. Uh, It's not just, uh, oh, yeah, you just need need to make money to make a living. (laughs) I mean, that's I mean, everybody has to unless you're born rich or you I mean, that's just that's the way it is. (laughs) Yeah. All right, getting back to website building, what would you call or name your main principles in building a viable website? What would I call them? Like, would I come up with a super yeah. awesome superhero yeah. name, like like the Mega Method? The, <laughs> no, I mean, um, some, something with Raider, like Forum Raider or Tomb Raider, or 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 what? What are the principles that you that you follow in the process of creating a viable website? Ah, so you're thinking strategically, like what are the technical aspects Mm -hmm. of building a website? Well, I think there are many creators. None of it is anything that I have um, pioneered Mm -hmm. and I haven't taken the time to come up with my own name for it. (laughs) Um, I believe that my strategy is the uh, do it wrong till you get it right strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, starting is the most important thing that a person can do. And it's kind of like you hear um, dentists, for example, dentists get asked all the time, like, what is the best toothpaste? What is the best toothbrush? And like to a man or a woman, they will respond, the one that you use. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter which one. Is it the one that you use? So you say, what's the best strategy? What's the best thing to do? Or what's the best niche to start? And for me, it is whichever one gets you started. And whichever strategy keeps you working consistently uh, for the long term, because none of this stuff is going to um, take off. Niche websites don't take off in 30 days unless you're using a strategy that isn't going to work long term. So mine is the get started and grind it out 
strategy. It's pick something specific and keep doing that. Not for a week, not for 30 days, not for six months, not for 12 months. Mm -hmm. Dig into it and stay with it. And the way, the reason that I, that I know this is because I was a person who spent the first 24 months, two years thinking there's gotta be an easier way. There's gotta be an easier way. This, this is too much work. There's like, there's gotta be a shortcut. There's gotta be like, look at all these men on YouTube posting about how you could make money in 30 days if you would just do this. And it turns out the primary way for me to have had success is to pick one thing, one strategy, and then grind it out until I started having some success. And anytime I start thinking about doing something else like, oh, on YouTube, that guy's doing this and that looks great. I have to look at my projects and say, okay, when this project reaches a certain level of success, then I can go investigate that. <laughs> so you could say, oh, is it long tail keywords or, oh, is it uh, local SEO or is it, you know, like picking a specific niche. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all that. Sure. Mm -hmm. I'm doing all of those things, right? All of the things I'm picking from the things that my colleagues in the field are doing. Like I follow Morton Storgard, our friend, passive income geek. I, I do some of the things he does. I follow Matt Diggity and I'm learning from him and doing some of the things that he does. I mean, John Dykstra, I, I talked to him and followed him. Some of the things that he does, I'm just trying them all. Uh, but within the same strategy, right? I'm not both trying to grow niche websites and run Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. I don't have the skills and abilities and the time to become an expert in both of those things. Mm -hmm. So my strategy is uh, continue grinding on one particular thing until it works. Mm -hmm. And it might take a year. It might take five years. And I feel like that's where I'm at, right? Like I'm not in the, you know, $100,000 a month mark. That's because I have not grounded out long enough mm -hmm. to become an expert in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing. That is my strategy is keep uh, testing things, keep trying things, keep getting things wrong because I'm sure as heck doing that all the time. Uh, getting away from just following like the, the rote advice from people, you know, it's great advice, like to learn from people. That's awesome. But say, okay, I want to test this for myself. Mm -hmm. I want to know if this is going to work, not just because that other guy or gal said that that it worked will it work for me and how does it work so that when somebody asks me later because i'm on youtube as well mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, live streaming people say oh hey have you ever done this and i can say why yes i have done this and it didn't work or it did work but or it worked exactly like they said and i'm not going to say you should do it too because that's on them but i'm saying here was my experience mm -hmm. and and this is how it played out. And I think that is way more valuable. Yeah. That you just get to gain more experience and find your own way. It's just like, because like they say, fake it till you make it. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that when people say fake till you make it, because then it um, sort of gets in the way of you being your honest self. So like uh -huh. on YouTube, for example, um, people often do this where they pop on and they start a YouTube channel and they're like, I want to make videos about blogging. Right. But they have been blogging for a month. And mm -hmm. so then they find themselves making videos about, um, expert keyword research strategies because they think that will make them successful. And the hard part is that the average YouTube viewer is as experienced as them or even more, and they can see 
through that. And maybe what would be better would be to go there and be honest and say, this is my first month. This is the strategy I'm using. You can use it too if you want, but I've been using it for a month and here are my results versus saying, this is the expert opinion on this. And everybody knows it's not true. (laughs) You know, they can just see through it. They can just see that you're not being honest and Mm -hmm. open. And not to say that people shouldn't make those kinds of videos because that's part of the process, making videos and see what happens. But in my experience, being yourself and being okay, being vulnerable to say, yeah, that didn't work. I tried this. That didn't work is uh, valuable even to experienced creators, right? Experienced people who have been on YouTube or in this business for a long time. I mean, we don't need another keyword research video, (laughs) honestly. There's like 6 million of them. But what we need is connection. We need to know that we're not alone. Mm -hmm. We need to know uh, what is working for you so that maybe that's why we would try it. Um, What didn't work and why. And anybody of any experience level can contribute that and gain followers, build a YouTube channel and and build a a real audience of people that are warm to them rather than, uh, you know, they subscribe and then they watch one video and then they never come back again, which then kills your YouTube channel when you have all these people who uh, subscribe and never uh, click on any of your thumbnails when they get served to them. uh, That's a sign to YouTube that they should kill your momentum and growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, your path, well, what you told about your uh, method, let's say, or your strategy about... Sure, the, the grind it out strategy? Yeah, the grind it out I'm, strategy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a trademark lawyer to go and, and, <laughs> and make me some shirts. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I, I'll get that one. Because <laughs> it really re- reminded me of how I started with writing. You know, uh, the last job before I started writing uh, was mounting cables. You know, just installing speakers in supermarkets, uh, video security stuff, all that kind of okay, all those kinds of things. And then the financial crisis hit in 2009. Mm. And I've had a friend who was a copywriter at that moment. And he said, hey, you know, sometimes I just don't have the time to do my work. So what do you what do you think if I just send you some of it and you just. See for yourself if you can do it. This is how I started. And I had no idea what to do. It was just you know, like, okay, I'll try. And eventually I just ended up doing this doing this for, for a living, you know. And eventually I ended up here in Otis uh, and continued doing it. And I love doing this job. I love working with texts. It's just I speaking of YouTube videos and all those instructionals, you know, I I I think I've never actually like went through any tutorials or all of these or all of this thing, uh, any of these things. Just like grinded out, grinded it out for myself. Just found my own way, and yeah, now and now I'm hosting a podcast. <laughs> right, but it didn't happen in one year. Absolutely, absolutely, almost fourteen years in the making. <laughs> and that's the hard thing about this content that most of us consume on social media is that it is, it seems easier than it is. It seems faster than it is. And then people feel like they're failing. Mm -hmm. And so they, they don't ever get the opportunity to succeed because they have these expectations there that are just not reasonable at all. Like maybe that did work for that person, 
but we don't necessarily know the backstory that mm. led to that. What did they do for the 10 years leading up to that? How many times did they try and fail? And and much of this content is created with a goal in mind. Mm. I mean, for people that are using it as a funnel to a product, as a funnel to uh, some other purpose, uh, trying to just get subscribers. I mean, we all know in the YouTube space that <laughs> thumbnails that have dollar signs on them do better. <laughs> Like dollar signs, you know, with amount like $25,000 or $379.27. Like that is going to pull uh, people in and it has a purpose. You We're not just on YouTube because we just like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I sort of am, but most people aren't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's get back to the websites again. <laughs> well, in particular, the domains. One thing I was, I, I wanted to ask you as the first person that I'm actually discussing this with when building sites on new domains versus aged domains, what are the highest benefits and drawbacks in each case? Oh my gosh, how long do you have? I mean, I could literally talk about this topic <laughs> for days and I'm a really hard guest because if you just let me go, I'll just talk, right? I'll be, we'll be here for two hours if you like. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm not ready to be an expert on either of those topics. I've built several sites on Fresh Domains. And then recently, I'm looking at the month, in December, January, I did partner with Otis to try out my first age domain. The problem is, is that it's not as simple as just comparing apples to apples because every domain, every niche, every topic is different. Mm -hmm. And so if I could say that I had run a head-to-head -head test in the same niche with the same content, then I, maybe I could tell you, oh, hey, I know that this is the answer to that question. I think that, uh, and the test, I'm, the test, the 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 experiment that I'm running now um, with the domain that I did get from Otis is in a very competitive niche, mm -hmm. right? So it's a competitive niche that's almost entirely outsourced or with AI content using Jasper. So you'd say, oh well, you know, what is the result from that? You know, what does it mean? And it's hard to say that that I know what it means because it's really difficult. It's not apples to apples. It's like apples to grapefruit or apples mm -hmm. to zucchini or <laughs> apples to that tree over there <laughs> because they're so different. Uh, what I also think is happening is it's making it difficult to have strong opinions about it because of the way Google has um, gone about doing its business this year. So. Um, indexing situations. So just uh, indexing in general with new projects, either on fresh domains or on each domains. And it's so inconsistent um, with the updates and the way updates have played out for everyone and what that has done for uh, rankings and shuffling. And so you say, okay, I'm, I um, have progress going. And then Google comes in and says, hey, by the way, you don't have snippets anymore. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> Is that related to the domain? Is that related to links or is it not? Is it related to the content that I have posted on there or not? Is it related to some other link that I don't even know about because this is an age domain that I cannot control for? So what I, the experience I generally have with fresh domains, at least in the last two years, is that I start a site on a fresh domain and Google pretty much ignores it mm -hmm. for somewhere between two and nine months. And then Google will decide, hmm, it's a good time to bring you out. Let's do it. Let's go. And how long that takes depends upon the competitiveness of the niche. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So waiting for this site to build authority in whatever way, shape or form you believe authority could be built, either the depth of content, the the breadth of the topics, the, the types and number of keywords that the site has overall, uh, the links that go to it. I mean, I really am not a huge, uh, I don't say believer, but <laughs> um, the EAT, you know, what creates experience, authoritativeness and trustworthiness? You know, do you have an author box or not? I'm not convinced that that matters one way or another except for when you have a human reviewer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, based upon the um, the competitiveness of that and your authority for your site, eventually somewhere between months two and nine, that's going to take off. With an age domain, uh, I've heard many stories where friends have uh, you know, posted all this content in month one, and then the site took off like a rocket, and they're a believer, right? It's age domains all the way, uh, and I didn't have that experience. Uh, I put up, uh, you know, hundred articles in a couple months on a new site and Google refused to index any of it. Oh, right. Most of it, I think 19 out of a hundred or so articles were indexed and Google said they were indexed, right? They were all green in the Google search console, but in my SERP robot account, they were all not found. Mm. Right. And so you say, okay, Google, what the, what, 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 <laughs> this doesn't, makes sense. They're not in the index. I can search for them. They don't show up. Uh, they should be there at least somewhere in the top 200, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they don't end up there. And so then I went through May. Right. And I was like feeling really bad about the project. And then the May update rolled out there at the end of May. And it didn't, I don't, I don't know if it gave the site a boost, but what ended up happening was those articles within 24 hours, all indexed, oh, wow. like 99% of them hit the um, hit the index. So they shifted in Google Search Console from green, right? So, oh, it's indexed to um, discovered, but not indexed, and <laughs> then crawled, but not indexed, and then shifted basically within a short period of time to mm-hmm. uh, indexed, and now the site is getting traffic. And you say, okay, what did I do wrong <laughs> first to put me in the realm of not indexed? The, like the shadow world of Google indexing. And then what about the site or what was done by Google in May to then cause those articles to be indexed? And then what has caused them and the like the shuffling of what's been going on in the various updates through August, uh, September. Um, I saw a note on Twitter either yesterday or this morning that Google is shuffling things again, right? And so how are you supposed to say that an age domain at this point is any better than a fresh domain because most of the time we don't know what happened yesterday and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to my um, my initial thoughts about niche websites is uh, if somebody were to say, oh, like, should you do a fresh domain or should you do an H domain? I, I say, you should do them both. <laughs> you should test them out and you should find out for yourself with the caveat that it's going to depend on the niche that you choose. So if you say, oh, well, well, age domains are, are, are bad. I, I tried it once and nothing worked. I'm like, well, that's, there's more to it than just the particular domain that you have chosen. There's so much more going on there. And, and you can't just decide in even nine or 12 months that a project is successful anymore because there's so much working either for and against you to make something work. So it's always a complex story. There's no like this. Uh, well, that's 
that's my problem though with these uh, like summary uh, like social media content where mm-hmm. it just concludes for you that you know good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig, I think it was Craig Campbell on uh, Twitter because I recently joined Twitter. Mm-hmm. He posted something the other day that I actually responded to, and he's like, "There's no one way to do SEO. Like, there's no, there's not one single way to build a successful portfolio. There are many ways to do it, mm-hmm. but if you get it stuck in your mind that there's only one way, and then you don't." that one way you try doesn't work. It doesn't mean that, that it's a scam that you won't be successful. Eventually it just means that that particular strategy at that particular moment didn't work and maybe you should change it up or maybe you should double down and try again and use everything that you learned this last time to see if you can make it work this next time. Yeah. Speaking of SEO, we're at Otis, we're uh, often putting a huge emphasis on like the the SEO value of the domains that we sell, especially the backlinks, the so-called link juice. <laughs> what is your experience and opinion with the uh, experience with and opinion about using the backlinks that are already there in the domain? Well, as we know, I've only had one real experience with an H domain, and I. <sighs> I would love to say that I thought that links didn't matter, but that's not true. I think links do matter, but I think we're seeing a trend over time that links is not the end all, right? You can see lately in the SERPs that sites that don't really have a really high uh, DA, if you're using the the Moz rank or um, the various ranks with Ahrefs, that sites that don't necessarily have the, the strongest um, authority can rank for things. You say, you know, what is that or why is that and how is that and how is Google determining that? And I think that is some of what is being adjusted because Google is looking for the, I'm going to put up my air quotes, the most helpful <laughs> content. And I mean, who really knows what that means truly? Uh, but it links are definitely important and links can help it, but I don't think links are the end all in every situation. So a lot of people love to just create a ton of content really fast and then blast a ton of links at it and then boom, like success. And I don't know that that is the, uh, is going to be the foolproof strategy going forward because of the shifts that Google is making as it determines how much authority a particular site has mm-hmm. or uh, what is a good user experience for a user. Mm-hmm. And well, it, it all sounds like we're, we keep getting back to to your uh, strategy uh, to dealing with websites, doing building websites, develop. I mean, promoting them. And well, for example, Keith Mint of Minted Empire, uh, Keith Mint of Minted Empire, and Carl Broadbent of uh, the Affiliate ga- Gathering. Yeah, I know Keith and, and Carl. How's it going, man? If you're listening, <laughs> I hope they will listen. Um, well, they've also had case studies. Well, uh, Keith is actually still writing a case study in one of our domains. And the thing that I've, uh, that they, they've brought up in these case studies, especially Keith, is that uh, you just uh, have to continue grinding and have to just keep doing what you're doing until you get the, the, the results you want. And uh, Keith especially had this... Um, sort of like uh, 
Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it was a decline because there wasn't like any substantial growth at that moment, but the statistics didn't look quite quite well for, uh, quite well for a while in his reports uh, until he decided to uh, to move this domain to a silo on his another website, and then it all started started growing, started showing positive statistics. It really brings us back to that to to, the, to that concept and I, I don't know if you've listened to our first episode with alex alex drew our our ceo uh no i i missed it but now i will have to <laughs> you will shame me into it <laughs> all right well th- there's one thing he said that you should treat your website like a business not like a side hustle because it won't last and yeah well it had to be a question <laughs> No, no, no. I, I think that that is such an important um, perspective shift, right? And somebody explained it. A good friend of mine explained this to me as well, especially because I get shiny object syndrome. I love starting <laughs> sites. I just really like it. And he's like, well, if it were a business, would a business owner like a shoe shop, right? Like, let's say somebody went out and opened a shoe shop on Main Street down in your city. Would you go and open another shoe mm. shop before the first shoe shop was successful? No way. You would never do it. You wouldn't have the time or the capital or the momentum or the energy to run a second store before the first store was not just like working, mm-hmm. but like really successful. But we think of websites as um, projects like hobbies, like going out and mowing the lawn. I can do that anytime, <laughs> whatever. I'll just go and do it and I'll have started another website. But if, if you look at it like a business, you would never do that. Mm-hmm. You would have all these goals that would have to be reached because the the danger over overextending yourself and and maybe doing long lasting financial harm to yourself is so great. And I think that that's a great perspective for folks that really want to make this a business long term. Mm-hmm. And something I've had to come to. <laughs> oh yes, I've had to come to that turn in my career here. Also, is to really make sure that the projects I'm leaving behind or in a good place before I move on because otherwise I just know that it won't happen. All right. Comparing the risks involved with being a lawyer and a website builder or affiliate Mm. marketer, what would Mm. you consider the more risky job and why? That's a really broad question, to be honest, because there are many things that can be risked. There's financial risk. There's uh, career risk. There is uh, the risks to your health and life and safety. There are risks to your happiness and things. And so you say how they're not apples to apples, right? They're apples to trees pretty much because they're (laughs) so different. Uh, When you work for someone else, potentially you have less financial risk, right? Because you are insulated by the existence of someone else being charged of business, someone else having the responsibility of the lights, the heat, the, the taxes of all the things in your job is to uh, to do the business is to make the money, right? So there may be less mm, financial risk on a, on a day-to-day basis or a month-to-month basis about whether or not there is money coming in. And when you're working online, uh, when this is your full-time thing, at any moment, Google, Google could come in and just, you know, karate chop it like, and all of a sudden you're your your full-time income stream where you have no real backup or safety net is just gone, right? And that's less likely to happen um, when you're working as a lawyer in someone else's firm 
But on the other hand, if you're working uh, for yourself and you are the person who is in charge of the lights, the heat, the taxes, the employee salaries, then uh, I would argue that it is probably equally mm-hmm. at, at risk because a bad month could send you under. You know, it's there's not necessarily a safety net. So they are similar depending on how you uh, go about being a lawyer versus go about being um, an owner of a series of portfolios that are monetized using organic search traffic from Google. So they are similar and different. Uh, I think that they have their unique impacts upon things like family and quality of life. And people will say, oh, you know, the this seems more mentally taxing than this. And I think it goes back to, again, the, the kind of law that you practice or the the strategy that you employ and also how hard you apply yourself. So I don't think there's an overarching uh, con- like conclusory statement that I can say <laughs> that this is more riskier than this because it, it really just depends, right? There's, there's not one way to practice law and there's not mm. one way to build a portfolio of websites. From the current perspective, like from, from, the, from the point in your life that you're in right now, what, is, what seems a more enjoyable thing to do to you? I'm old. I'm, I'm old, right? <laughs> I, we talked about this earlier. I chased the dollar already and I'm still chasing it now. But the things that are most important to me are spending time with my family and also keeping an eye on the fact that since I'm old, I'm not going to last forever. And doing some of the things that I did to myself as far as working in my 20s is not necessarily going to set me up to survive all that long into my my golden years. <laughs> so so quality of life is really important to me. So I look at the practice of law, especially in really high stress uh, practice areas, to be a, a more of a risk to the things that I care about most. Because it takes you know, uh, a law practice will take me away from my family. They will cause me to be stressed and really struggle to take care of myself. And then I I don't feel like my best self when I am fully engaged at work and then my kids are in daycare. I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't I don't necessarily know what is going on in their life. And we have people helping, you know, with the shopping and with the, you know, I'm making the money, but I'm not um, engaged at home. So for me, I would look at at this point in my life that that the practice of law is more risky to the things I care about mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not going to say that that niche websites are secure. You have to go into this, especially if you're doing it full time, like fully knowing that you need to have money saved mm-hmm. in case things go sideways. And I think that, and I do this, it's uh, really important to continue to main, maintain contacts and network in the event that you need to find another way to support your family and you need to be putting money away in retirement, just like you would for a job, but you've got to be the one who's in charge of doing it. Mm-hmm. And you just, you can address and prepare for all levels of risk. You can't just say, oh, you know, one's better than the other. And I think that anymore that working for someone else is just as big a risk as working for yourself. There's no guarantee that if you work for somebody for 30 years that you're going to get the gold watch at retirement Mm -hmm. and they're going to, the pension is still going to be there. The stock market, you know, doing its thing. There's a lot of people right now who have worked for their whole lives for someone and they want to retire and they don't have enough money to do it. They relied upon this this established mm-hmm. way of of getting to the end and and it's not secure for them. And they're being faced with continuing to work at 70 
uh, or maybe for even the rest of their lives or having to make decisions to compromise uh, maybe where they live or their medical care. Uh, and it's just putting families in a really tough situation. So I would much rather have to be able to have a hand and control in this. Maybe I do it wrong. Maybe I, at the end I will regret it, but at least I, I was participating in it and I wasn't leaving it to someone else to manage. Mm, so, so it's just, it's, there's time and place for everything. And the time f for you being a lawyer is passed. Now it's time for maybe other maybe. things. <laughs> I mean, for, I mean, for now. Yeah, right? for now. I mean, I mean I, at this point, at this particular point in time. I mean, that's the thing. Like people, a lot of them um, use their, their uh, years of energy and physical health to build their businesses, right? Build their mm -hmm. empire. And they have their families during that time and they, they direct everything to that golden moment of retirement, which is awesome, mm -hmm. right? We all have to have money and have a plan if we ever want to stop working. But in the meantime, when you're doing that, there's a lot of things that are lost. And for me, I think I would much rather work maybe longer than miss out on all of these things because here pretty soon my kids are going to be grown they're going to mm -hmm. have families of their own they don't need me to be at home on a monday at 10 o'clock they're going to be doing their own stuff mm -hmm. that's a great time to work and so maybe my retirement account doesn't look like yours <laughs> or my neighbors or someone else who i used to practice law with but at the same time um You know, I'm um, sitting in my my messy living room with toys strewn all over the place, and um, and that's not a bad place for me to be because of what I value. Given the opportunity to work at a really uh, s uh, seriously successful, uh, stable legal firm, at this point, would you go back to practice the law or not? Right now, if tomorrow somebody walked up with a, an offer letter saying, we will pay you a half a million dollars a year to come practice law full time for us, I would say no. Because you want to spend your time with Because the of the things that I, that I value. Mm -hmm. Because it would take me away from um, the things that are the most important to me. And yeah, I, would, I, would, it would, I don't even think I would feel bad. I don't even think I would feel tempted because I've already lived that life. You can see over here in the corner, my son's legs. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> That's it. I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting here right now having this conversation with you and I wouldn't be able to spend time with them. I mean, if, for that amount of money, right? Especially where I live, it's not like it's New York City. That would be uh, the equivalent of a gigantic salary in a, a major city. Mm-hmm they're going to expect you to be there, right? They're mm -hmm. not going to say, oh, you know, that's part-time work. That's um, sun up to sundown mm -hmm. kind of salary. And I would miss, I would miss out on everything. <laughs> son of mine, you're in Hi the there. corner. Will you come here? Will you come sit over here? We're almost done, sweetie. Yeah, we're almost done. Yeah, that's the thing though, right? It's It really comes down to um, mold, right? Mold's dirt now. You can't tell. There's a couple of gray hairs like up here and around. Oh, that's, um, but that's I got fine. started in this. I got more I started gray hair. this gig. <laughs> yeah. I just got started in this late, right? Like I didn't start um, in my 20s and I wish that I had mm -hmm. because, man, how much further along would I be? But I mean, it's it. I don't even have to think about it. You say, oh, you know, would you go do this or would you go do that? Like if it, 
uh, compromises my ability to pick my kids up from school at the end of the day? No. <laughs> Not worth no, it. No, thank you. <laughs> Not now. Maybe someday when they're taking care of themselves, then sure, but no. Sounds sounds absolutely reasonable to me. I'm a parent, so I understand you. <laughs> so that you understand, right? It's just uh, what what do I value? And yeah. that's one of the reasons why I think I'm maybe more committed than ever to this business, even though it seems like it may be more risky than ever. Like it used to be that that if we knew, we thought that if you were using, utilizing uh, black hat techniques or legal techniques or scammy, spammy techniques, that those are the people who were at risk, right? If you built a white hat site and you built links naturally or didn't even pay attention to it and you just tried to write good articles that you would be safe from the Google, right? The Google monster. Mm -hmm. And we've been shown in the last two years that that's no longer the case, right? It's, it, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, securing your traffic and owning your traffic, getting a list, like getting control over your, your business so that you would be more insulated from the Google monster. <laughs> But even, even knowing that for me, I would still much rather do this and double down and do this as my primary focus because it enables me to really serve the other things that are important that I have identified. Now I've had time to identify in my old age that maybe in my early 20s, I would not have realized would be so important to me. I just didn't know any better, right? Like mm. young and dumb, like, you know, following the path that other people had laid out for you and just really thinking, okay, I know what I want. And mm -hmm. turns out I didn't. <laughs> and I, I thought I knew how I would feel when my kids came and turns out I didn't. Um, I thought that I um, knew what I wanted to, to have, right? Like what would be important to me to have, like to hold in my hands, like my stuff. Turns out, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Sounds like a just a regular life path, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is I'm a just a regular person. Uh, I mean, really. And I, I think that uh, all of us are. And the people who are really successful are just regular people. But they can, uh, and I'm definitely not one of these people, but there are other people in our space who are doing really well. And, you know, people treat them like they're like a Demigods. You know, celebrity and like put them on a pedestal and really look up to them and, you know, take everything that they have to say. And turns out these are just people mm -hmm. who uh, did a couple things. One, they started before us. Two, they experimented and learned and grew and they didn't give up. Right. Like I, I said this to another podcaster not long ago. Um, I've said this actually a couple of times um, and I may have offended people. And those who heard those other podcasts will probably remember me doing this. But um, I'm pretty sure I I don't want to say I yelled at Doug Cunnington, but I said, um, you're not any smarter than me. Um, <laughs> you know, where um, oh. I, he was he was we were just talking about, um, you know, like how people become successful and, you know, it, it's, it really is that, that anybody who's willing to put in the time in the effort, I think to learn, um, can do this regardless of whatever they, you know, whatever test scores they got when they were in high school or in college or, uh, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's just people who are willing to be persistent can be successful and, uh, and, And maybe that's just like, I'm, I'm a believer in like the communities and like supporting each other. And uh, maybe that's just my mindset, but I, I guess I have to believe that for myself. <laughs> right. 
Because if I don't believe that for myself, then what choice, like what hope do I have? You know, if I look at these people and say they have something that I do not, then that's a non-starter thing. They, they have something, these old glorious mm. people, turns out they, they don't have something. They just have been in it longer and are, have been gritty as heck and uh, <laughs> persistent and all the things. And if I truly believe that, that I can do that too. It just might not look mm, the same. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably because I'm not willing to do 18 hours a day for the years that it will take because of this little person who is here in the room with me. I'm just not willing to do it. So Sounds absolutely, absolutely reasonable. And out of the blue question, what's your favorite book? My favorite like, all time? Yeah, favorite of all time. Your yeah, personal that, goat. My personal goat? <laughs> See, so um, I, I don't watch TV, really. Um, I read, and I pretty much read all the time. And so that I'm waffling right now while I'm choosing, and I will regret what I have selected. Uh, I would probably say, you've asked me right now, and I've waffled long enough to say um, The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Oh, nice. And I would say nice. the, the Hobbit by J.K. J.R. J.R. Not J.K. Rowling, J.R. <laughs> <laughs> you got me totally on the spot. I'm like, oh my God, what is that? Um, and and it's not just because I think it's the greatest work of all time. Uh, it's because I really enjoyed reading it with my children. Mm -hmm. And I did not expect them to just fall in love with it the way that they have. And so it's been such an enjoyable experience, mm -hmm. right, from beginning to end to read for myself or to read it aloud. And there are so many characters in it that have voices mm -hmm. that can be made and done and then we listened to the audiobook uh which was performed by a couple different actors and then watching it on tv mm -hmm. uh so for me it's the whole package sounds good i mean I, amazing i love the hobbit i love tolkien uh and i really love the way he actually like uh, he approached the world creation i mean the mm. the middle earth and everything related to it the, the depth of the characters he created the depth of the uh, of the plot everything is just it's uh it's a textbook for <laughs> for 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 writers yeah and well yeah. i definitely won't say that um that the the trilogy were my favorite um i think that they spent way too long in the shire <laughs> in the fellowship of the ring all right the first half of the book is just about the hobbits right yeah like, is that really necessary because and or the hobbits were necessary at the end. Mm -hmm. And then the two towers was basically like an intermission book, right? Like, let's just spend a whole time building <laughs> up to the third book. So um, there was definitely some grit and persistence required to tackle those uh, texts. But yes, I will agree that he was a master world builder. And like the language, he basically created a whole mm -hmm. language, like not just for the books, but actually like. Yeah. off the books like is a language that's speakable and uh is a really phenomenal phenomenal I, <laughs> i went to say phenomenal and phenomen phenomenal phenomenal and Phenom formidable yeah. were the two words i was trying to smush together <laughs> contribution to the literary world yeah i've recently seen a short video of uh of him writing something in elvish he mm. was just and he was he was actually writing some phrase i just don't remember what what it was but it was i was really struck by this 
short vid because I knew he created a, an actual language that could be studied and spoken. I just, ne I've never seen, seen it in action except for the films, you know? I was like, whoa, he was really good, yeah. Yeah, most of us come home from a hard day's work and, uh, you know, make some dinner and watch some Netflix. Mm -hmm. And this guy in his spare time created a whole language <laughs> and created an alternate universe and wrote their stories and their histories back to the beginning of time. Yeah, speak of persistence, you know. <laughs> right? Persistence and grit for a phenomenable product for our, our you, world. You got to put a trademark on this word. <laughs> right? I'm going to add another t-shirt. I'm just going to add it to the stack. All right. Um, just one, one last question for you, Amelia. What would your advice be for the beginner online entrepreneurs? Website builders, affiliate marketers, SEO experts, whoever, whoever starts doing this thing online. Pick one thing and stick with it and longer than you think. So uh, I guess two things I will say. One is pick one thing and grind it out on that one thing and then find some people who are doing that one thing and do it along with them. Because I, I think it's really easy to sit in this house or in your office or on your phone or in a cafe and be alone. And I think that one of the primary reasons I'm still here, I'm looking at my looking at the year right now, I'm in my fifth year doing this. And I honestly don't think I would still be doing this, but for the fact that I made friends along the way that I talk to every single day, like literally every single day uh, that are doing the same thing. And they keep me in the headspace of what it is that our goals are. And uh, you see or hear other people who are doing the work that you're supposed to be doing and it's motivational. Uh, you can artificially, like you can artificially create that. A lot of people will do it by like, listening to podcasts. So they keep their headspace on SEO or on building websites by putting those things like in their ear as they are at work or running or in the morning or at night. And you can create that, but I don't think it's as powerful as having people that you either meet with regularly or that you talk to either on chat or on Zoom. And I think that people who pick one thing and then find a group to support them for the first 12 months of doing it are more likely to be still doing that work in 12 months than the people who just say, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, a month later, they're like, I forget why I decided to do this. And <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for the advice. Thank you for this conversation. It was really fun. No, it was it was really enjoyable. Thank you very really much for having me. I get to be do I get to be the like the first guest after Alex? Yep. Yep. You're the first guest after Alex. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm I'm kind of like a guinea pig here. Like you're testing things out on me to see what works. There are so many things related to what we're doing that you can't just speak about domains, H domains and there are just so many things, whether it's marketing or uh, economics or website building or uh, psychology or even <clears throat> neuroscience. I mean, there's so much tied into it. So, yeah, we just want to talk it out with whoever we can. Yeah, well, I, I, as, a, as, a, um, as a podcast host myself... Although I, I only really podcasted for about a year solid because then I realized that I was not taking my own advice about focusing. <laughs> uh, but I did, I think, 50 or 60 episodes, mostly of interviews, talking with other people in our space. And it was personally 
I think, way more valuable for myself mm-hmm. than honestly it probably was for any of the people who <laughs> listened or who I actually interviewed because it was an opportunity to gain those types of contacts that maybe if I had just cold emailed or cold DM somebody, just like, let's go on Zoom. They'd be like, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. I got stuff to do. But the minute it becomes a podcast, they're like, ooh, you know, this is a great opportunity. They don't even care how many listeners mm-hmm. you have because it's an opportunity to, to go on a podcast. And so I spoke to many of the people in our space that I currently admire and look up to, uh, you know, for an hour, sometimes even more, like at the end of the, the podcast, they would stay on with me and mm-hmm. talk, just shoot the breeze. And I, People pay big money for that, right? And you're like, wow, what a great opportunity to uh, gain some knowledge and connections Mm -hmm. that continue to this day to serve me. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for spending your time uh, with me right here, right now. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I love that I get to be a guinea pig on the Otis <laughs> podcast. It's been really fun to to get to know you. I did not know you before this and I had never spoken to you and it's been a, a great conversation to have with another human because as we know, that is kind of rare given what it is that we do. 